This week in KMA Land, Page County Courthouse Boiler Replacement Approved, Montgomery County Wind Turbine Moratorium Extended, Carol Robertson retires as Mills County Auditor, Red Oak Council hears drag show concerns, and Nebraska City Council approves utilities fee hike. I'm Mike Peterson. After months of often heated discussion, leaving Page County officials steamed, Page County Courthouse will have heat next winter. But the question is how to pay for new boilers. Meeting in regular session Thursday night, the Page County Board of Supervisors unanimously approved moving forward with the over $208,000 contract with Siemens to replace the courthouse's two boilers and control systems. However, rather than utilizing American Rescue Plan Act funds, the board opted to have County Auditor Melissa Wellhausen determine how the purchase can be covered through Department 99, or non-departmental funds, and local option sales tax revenue. Supervisor Judy Clark motioned to approve the purchase contingent upon Wellhausen finding adequate funding, saying it was time for the county to move forward as the July 1st price deadline approaches. It was presented to you in January. You've messed around for six months and haven't done anything about it. We're down to the point now where we're coming to July 1st, Justin said he would extend that price. He was able to find some boilers, but as far as getting them installed before winter, that's an issue, and they think they can get it done, but we can't keep putting it off. The board initially considered utilizing COVID-19 relief dollars to finance the purchase. However, Supervisors Chair Jacob Holmes reiterated that he wants as much money as possible going towards the county roads, arguing that updated guidelines for ARPA would likely allow them to use their remaining unallocated funds. This is a building that needs to be taken care of, but the roads need to be too. And ARPA money can go to fix. We are the most behind. The courthouse is not. It has had a lot of money spent last year. Our roads and our paved roads we ground up is probably, in my opinion, the farthest back we are right now. We're way back. So this is our way to catch up years if we're careful. And we, take, we can still get a boiler. Just take it out of a different bucket. Holmes also pointed to roughly $1 million in surplus and lost revenue. However, Wellhausen noted that some of it has already been allocated by the board, including a county jail last year. And no matter how much is in the surplus, it still must be distributed into specific categories by a 40-40-20 split. Every year when we get that local option, like say it's 300000 that's broken out on that 40-40-20 split. So if at the end of the day, you have, say, 100000 left of that, and it's still broken out between those three splits, you can't at the end of the year pile all that together then and say, no. we're going to put it all towards this project because that's where we want to go. It still has to, by that ballot language, yeah. follow those splits. Wellhouse and as her budget and other elected officials might also be able to chip in funds from their respective budgets. After Wellhausen offered the compromise, Holmes says he would be okay with that, but suggested having the action next week, saying he'd like to know where exactly the money is coming from. I'm fine with that, but we need to look at maybe exactly where it's coming. Is there any problem just doing that next week, just showing us where it's coming from and voted through? Trying to be able to make sure we're all looking at what we're doing. Uh, so we don't have to change anything. Wellhausen says she will bring the discussion back before the board next week if there isn't adequate funding to cover the boilers between the two funds. While they won't be used for the boilers, Clark noted they still need to find allocations for the remaining ARPA dollars, saying unallocated COVID-19 relief money is starting to be collected by the federal government from federal departments and could look at more local governments in the future. 
Montgomery County's hold on wind turbine project development will remain in place through at least the rest of the year. By unanimous vote Tuesday morning, the county's Board of Supervisors approved a 180-day extension of a moratorium on commercial wind energy projects. The extension comes as the original moratorium passed almost one year ago was set to expire July 1st. In reading the moratorium's resolution, Supervisor Mark Peterson noted the county has an existing commercial wind energy conversion system, or CWEX, ordinance in place for the county's unincorporated areas. Whereas the county has an interest in protecting the county's residents, infrastructure, natural resources, and property rights through adequate regulations, and whereas the county has an interest in protecting the Montgomery County roads infrastructure through more robust road use agreements during construction of CWEX, and whereas the Board of Supervisors will require substantial time to gather information and coordinate with multiple agencies for the purpose of reviewing, updating, or creating ordinances, policies, and procedures relative to CWEX development. Peterson adds the moratorium allows for the drafting and adopting any proper revisions to the existing ordinance and will not affect any construction permits already filed with the county. The supervisors took action after hearing pleas from a local resident to continue the moratorium. Diane Jacobs lives in Villisca's East Township. Saying Montgomery County has a clean slate, Jacobs urged the board to avoid the turmoil neighboring counties are experiencing regarding the turbine issue. I guess what I'm concerned is, and I see this at all these counties, and this is where this comes up from. They, they get them in, you know, three, 400 foot turbines. They, they make all these ordinances for that size. They get 100 up. The county's sick of them. The people are sick of them and they want change and they don't want to change them. These new ones are going to be 600 feet tall. They can be retrofitted to be seven, 900 feet. They're industrial sized. I don't think we want them even a half a mile away. When Supervisor Donna Robinson asked why the extension wasn't for another 365 days, Supervisor's Chair Mike Olson replied it can be extended or suspended later. I think Barry and I talked in six months was, he said that they will have this ordinance in place within six months and, and back to the board easily in six months and we'll be able to to go ahead and prove that and at that time this moratorium will become in other business Tuesday, the supervisors approved repairs and replacement of the county courthouse's clock tower and the final plans for the 250th Street Bridge Project. One of the mainstays of Mills County government is calling a career. Meeting in regular session Tuesday morning, the Mills County Board of Supervisors unanimously approved the retirement and resignation of County Auditor Carol Robertson effective July 31st. The board also approved to move forward with filling the vacancy by appointment. Robertson has worked for the county for 33 years, including the past 23 as county auditor. Robertson tells KMA News she's been considering her retirement for the past year or so, and with the county in a decent position, she felt now was a good time to move on to her next chapter. You know what? I'm healthy right now, and I would like to travel and do a few things, and, you know, I don't want to be that old lady at the courthouse. So I thought, you know, now was a good time, and... Um, I, you know, I told them I'll help them whenever I can, and that's why I agreed to stay through July. Robertson says she's already begun working with other individuals in her office on her day-to-day -day task to help ease the transition. In her time as auditor, Robertson says she and her staff had, had to learn how to adapt, whether it be additional laws or requirements coming down from the state or, more recently, the COVID-19 pandemic. We just get more and more put on our plates, it seems like, and with this latest legislation, um, 
sending out letters to all the um, property owners to notify them what their levies are. Um, we've had a lot of election changes, a lot of election changes and laws. COVID was a big, um, big issue during the, um, to, to figure out how to make it work. And we did during the election. Gosh, only knows how that happened, but we did. Additionally, Robertson was in office during the Missouri River flooding in 2011 and 2019 that devastated much of western Iowa, including parts of Mills County and particularly Pacific Junction. A Pacific Junction native, Robertson adds she saw several friends and family members affected by the disaster and was pleased to be part of a county initiative to develop forums in partnership with the Omaha Community Foundation to assist residents in need financially. They would pay for, um, like if they had electric bills or if they had, they had storage or they had some moving expense or whatever. We were able to do that and I felt like that was a huge thing and that was due to all the donations that were provided to us. We just had to get creative and figured out how we could give it back. Robertson says county residents have two opportunities to petition for a special election to fill the vacancy, including 14 days after the board's intent to appoint has been published in the paper and 14 days after the board officially makes the appointment. Red Oak was the setting for the latest debate over drag shows in KMA land this week. During its regular meeting Monday night, the Red Oak City Council heard a complaint regarding the city code covering adult entertainment facilities from Red Oak resident and Ascension Reformed Church Pastor Raymond Simmons. Chapter 125 of the city code outlines the requirement of such facilities, along with the definitions of adult entertainment or amusement, which among other things includes male or female impersonators. The code also requires any place offering such entertainment to obtain a license and not be within 1,000 feet of a business, school, church, public park, public playground, public plaza, day nursery, daycare center, nursery school, regularly scheduled bus stops, or any dwelling within the city. Simmons believes recently held and planned drag shows in Red Oak and the county violate the code, reading from a legal review he obtained from a lawyer. A plain reading of 12.02 provides that male or female impersonators constitute adult entertainment or amusement or entertainment. In the same way, it is impossible to divorce an actual stripper from sexual content. Drag shows cannot be divorced from their inherent sexuality. Drag shows routinely and predominantly include sexual discussions and jokes, as well as sexual dances and performances. Simmons adds he feels the ordinance's purpose is to ensure minors and children aren't exposed to adult entertainment, either on purpose or incidentally. I think that we can have a city that follows the law and protects children. On Sunday, if I take my children to the square, it would be a nice day. I'd like to be able to walk around the square, look in the windows like we normally do and not worry about my children have imprinted on their mind an image that could be there for their life. That's what this ordinance is for. That's the purpose of it. Simmons also provided what he believes are the three options moving forward, including law enforcement enforcing the code as a plain reading, placing a temporary moratorium on drag shows in the community, or amending the code to provide additional or more clear verbiage. The council also heard public comments from four other individuals expressing similar concerns. However, City Attorney Bree Sorensen did caution the council in proposing any stricter or more specific regulations regarding the issue, citing Chapter 728 of the Iowa Code, which is intended to provide uniform application across the state. That statute preempts the city from entering or um, uh, passing any laws that would uh, dictate or regulate 
uh, adult content that is exposed to children. Uh, the, and it, it's more broad than just children, but the primary goal of Chapter 728 uh, is regarding obscene material and the exposure to minor children. She adds the state statute was established in 1978 with a city code implemented before that date, while admitting she's not overly familiar with drag shows and acknowledging there is sometimes sexual depiction, Sorensen says they are not all the same. The council took no action and made no comments regarding the discussion. Mixed emotions over a proposed housing development at a former elementary school were expressed in Red Oak this week. Discussion concerning a proposed redevelopment of the former Webster Elementary Building took place at Monday night's Red Oak City Council meeting. The Red Oak School District has explored selling the building for several years, but still owns the vacant structure. Red Oak Mayor Shauna Sylvia says talks have been underway for a few years now of ways the school and or the city can dispose of the property and get it into the hands of a developer. Sylvia says one possibility is having the city take over the property and apply for a 0% interest loan through the Iowa Economic Development Authority to provide a clean slate for housing development. As long as a qualified uh, individual who Chief John Bruce is qualified to deem a property uh, dangerous or dilapidated can then be the, the city can then take that on and abate the, or remediate the, the asbestos and demolish the property. They won't have any funds until the fall, but we could apply for that specifically for abatement, remediation, and demolition. She adds the IEDA offers redevelopment tax credits, but they're currently on a lot of timeline restrictions in coordinating with the city, school, and potential developer. However, Councilman Janice Lester feels the school district should remain involved in the process rather than simply handing off the property to the city to deal with after agreeing to prevent the building along with the former Bancroft Elementary School from becoming a problem following its bond issue that passed in 2017. We can't fix all of the problems. Do I think it's important? Yes, I do. Very much so. But I don't think that, I think, this, I think the school has to have some teeth in this. I really do. It's what they agreed with when we did that bond issue, and I feel like it's something that they need to help with. Silvius adds the need for housing will only continue to grow, including an over $2.5 million expansion at the Parker Hannifin Corporation, which she says is expected to create up to 65 additional jobs. The council also approved a resolution of sponsorship for the company's high-quality jobs application, while acknowledging the school can still be a part of the project moving forward, Councilman Tim Freidoff says the lot is desirable for housing. I understand that, that issue with this bond is aside. I know you can't throw it aside, but I'm just looking in the future of having the city control what I would imagine would be a very desirable lot to develop on and being able to say this is what we'd like to see on there, contingent upon certain things. Sylvia adds there's also the option where the district disposes of the property to a private developer who could then coordinate with the city. They could do something with the property, they could sell it to a developer, and then the developer could work with the city on mm -hmm. demoing it as well. So then we're just passing it on again to the city just through different mechanisms. Either way, Sylvia says the roughly $250,000 estimate of the abatement and demolition to the building could be worth getting the property back on the tax rolls. The council plans to continue discussions of the property and other housing possibilities at future meetings. 
Funding from a utility franchise fee increase is helping make a housing development possible in Nebraska City. By unanimous vote Monday night, the Nebraska City Council approved the third and final reading of an ordinance amendment increasing the city's electric and gas utilities franchise fee by one and a quarter percent. City officials proposed raising monthly utility rates to six and a quarter percent to pay for infrastructure work for the proposed Crifles Hills subdivision. The council's action follows months of discussion, including a town hall meeting and three public hearings before Monday's final vote. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Tuesday morning, Nebraska City Mayor Brian Beckett says residents expressed mixed emotions over the proposed fee hike. It's been great. To have the involvement of the community, we've got a lot of folks supporting it, and we have a lot of folks against it. So unfortunately, it's one of those, it's not a unanimous feeling that we're headed down the right route, but uh, the council believes we're headed down the best route right now, and we've got to keep momentum going on developing housing, because our housing needs, uh, since I've come in office in 2015, has been one of the major issues facing Nebraska City, as well as a lot of other rural communities. Bankett says the council felt the proposed fee hike was the best alternative to generate funding for streets, curbs, and gutters, and other projects associated with a 43-acre subdivision. We didn't want to be sitting there on land and become, you know, landowners that we rented out for crop development and all that. Well, that's not the purpose for it. So trying to maintain momentum, then the staff started looking at ways that we could develop it because we didn't have a developer coming forward that said they would put in infrastructure and roads and curb and all that. So we said, okay, we're going to do it as a city and keep things moving. Officials estimate the additional utilities charges will generate up to $155,000 for the infrastructure work. While saying he hopes construction can begin next summer, Beckett says other steps must be taken, including JEO's consulting's development of a final plat. We go to the final plat, and then we have to do the subdivision agreement, and in that we will be drafting who can buy lots, how many lots you can buy, how soon you have to build on those lots, what must be built on those lots, all those type things, the requirements of why we're doing this and what the regulations and rules are going to be initially to start off and make sure that the development gets developed within uh, the parameters. In a related note, council members also approved the first reading of the subdivision's proposed annexation. The second and third readings are scheduled for the commissioner's July meetings. After a summer without a swimming pool, Glenwood residents are coming back to the city's outdoor pool in droves. The Glenwood Aquatic Center was the most recent stop on our KMA Land Summer Pool Tour. For children and families across Glenwood and Mills County, the long nightmare ended last Monday when the Glenwood Aquatic Center opened after a year's absence. Mechanical problems kept the pool closed in 2022. Teamwork between Erickson Construction, JEO Consulting Group, and the city not only helped fix last year's problems, but also addressed leaks discovered this past spring. Glenwood City Administrator Amber Farnan tells KMA News not having the pool open this summer was not an option. I don't think that entered our mind. We just knew we were going to do everything we could to get it open. Um, we knew at, at one point, we knew, yeah, it'd probably be later, but I don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind that we would open for some amount of time. Watching over the swimmers is the pool's team of lifeguards. Pool manager Alex Caldwell says lifeguards must meet certain requirements in order to work there. I'm a lifeguard. You have to take a test online or coming in and doing a written test. And then you also have to test your swimming abilities. So like diving and swimming laps, making sure you can swim fast enough to a person that is in need. Now, even with the pool open, one popular amenity is still not working. A water bucket play feature must be fixed after the season. We've had some ongoing issues with the play feature, including the bucket, which has cracked twice. Um, we believe it's holding water inside. 
Um, and then we're having a little water loss when it's on. So it's a, something we're going to have to look into this fall. Um, but it's been an issue we've had for a while, and um, so we're going to try to get that fixed this fall. Now, there's plenty of other features to enjoy, including the customary zero-depth entry, two diving boards, and a water obstacle course. Though the pool is open this summer, Farnan says small communities like Glenwood face the continuing challenge of maintaining a pool on a tight budget. Whether they're new or old, every repair on them is going to be cost quite a bit of money. And so that, that's a huge hindrance. Um, I know it's also been hard to keep lifeguards, so that also can hinder a pool from opening. Um, and just the supplies to fix the pools, concrete, piping, is all going up. And so when you have to do all those things, those prices raise significantly more than probably the last few years. Caldwell, however, hopes the pool remains a destination for swimmers of all ages. It's a very nice place for families. It's cheap. It's very nice for have fun with your kids and still have fun yourself. And it's just a very nice place to make memories. Glenwood's Outdoor Aquatic Center is open daily from 1 to 8 p.m. through August 20th and 21st with lap swimming for adults from noon to 1 p.m. The pool reopens August 26th and 27th and again Labor Day weekend pending lifeguard availability. Now, more information is available from the pool's website. There is a link with a web story at kmaland.com along with a video version of this story. Construction continues on a bridge renovation project in Page County, albeit slower than expected. Crews began replacing the Essex West Bridge on 150th Street across the East Nishnabonda River early last month. The new over 450-foot-long and 30-foot-wide bridge replaces the original structure built in 1937 and is more suitable to today's larger ag equipment. County Engineer J.D. King tells KMA News the nearly $2.8 million project is progressing nicely. It's a, it's a big bridge, and it takes uh, a lot of time to place the forms, the, the deck forms. We've got the, the interior bays are formed, and now the AM Coron and Sun crew is working on the overhangs and forming the diaphragms and abutments. Due to the bridge's proximity to city limits, nearly $1 million of the project is being funded by Iowa Department of Transportation City Bridge Funds through the City of Essex along with county funding. However, King says there's been some challenges with a large infrastructure project, including installing massive concrete beams. Each overhang jack needs to be adjusted individually to make sure it's in in spec and tolerance of how thick the deck is and uh, it's a big bridge it just takes a long time we we anticipate a uh, deck placement later in july uh, you know certainly would hope to have it done sooner demolition of the old bridge took place in december once the decking is placed king says it should take one and a half to two months to put on the finishing touches one of KMA Land's leading indicators shows signs the rural economy is perking up a bit. June's Rural Main Street Index report rose above growth neutral for the third straight month. Based on a survey of bankers in 10 Midwestern states, the overall index rose to 56.9, the highest rating since May 2022, and up from last month's 55.8. Despite June's hike, Creighton University economics professor Dr. Ernie Goss says some agricultural-related factors are still bogging down the region's overall economy. Goss analyzed the latest numbers on KMA's Morning Line program Monday morning. Farm income is showing some weakening signs, or that's weakening, not weak signs. For example, uh, farmland equipment sales, or I should say agricultural equipment sales, moved lower for the month, below growth neutral. So there were some warning signs 
within the overall index. June's farm equipment sales index was 48.3, down from May's total of 50.2. Goss attributes interest rate hikes over the past several months as the main reason for lagging ag equipment sales. Federal Reserve is meeting again on July the 25th and 26th. It looks like they may raise rates at that time. They did not raise rates last week when the Federal Reserve met, but it looks like they may do it next time. Of course, that would have been even more of a a slowdown in overall equipment sales. Dr. Ernie Goss. That wraps up this week in KMA Land. Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to kmaland.com where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.